0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that has served Northern Colorado for more than 50 years. In the car business today, inventory is scarce and new cars are harder to come by than ever. But Peterson Toyota has new cars coming in daily and they're supporting their local customers in giving first priority to Fort Collins and surrounding city residents. Now you can buy cars online through Peterson's SmartPath system. You can easily find your vehicle, customize payments, apply for financing, finalize your purchase, and then schedule pickup or delivery. See the new to certified pre-owned vehicles Peterson has to offer and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the one that is right for you if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business thanks enjoy the show welcome to Ram nation radio I'm Joel Kenlamessa joined by Mike Rowe and a very special guest Steve Ivy today of Crackers College hoops blog before we get started today I wanted to just was telling Mike this off the air, but our condolences to you and your family. Mike's dad passed away last week. Uh, was really sad to hear that, Mike. And uh, how are you and your family doing in this week since it's happened? It was fast, and um, I know I know it's been rough for you.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, want to send some apologies out. I got a lot of text messages last weekend. My family... Tracy and, and Willow and I were honored for the Larry LaSasso Award. And, and thank you for all those that, uh, that did reach out. But all those that I got to celebrate with on Friday in Fort Collins, I mean, it was it's a very special honor, very humbling. The Saturday morning, my brother called me and told me I needed to, to come down. And, and so I missed the game. I missed the game on on Saturday uh, in person, but again, very honored that my wife and Donner and, and daughter were brought out on the field and was giving given the uh, Larry the Award. I got to spend that last day with my dad, and then fortunately, he passed away on on Sunday. It, it's been tough. Today was his services. We had those this morning. Uh, it, it, it's been a it's been a rough week, but you know he he he's not suffering yeah and, and it's always tough it's 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 a tough situation to even say something like that but he's not and you know what I have a lifetime of amazing memories uh with him so that's what we look forward, for for at uh forward to and I'm just happy that my daughter Willow got to spend as much time with with him as as she did and and honestly, I'm very blessed that Hurd that Tracy stayed in Fort Collins last weekend. So any, any of you that reached out to me and, and I didn't answer had a lot of questions like, where are you? Why aren't you at the game? I, I was a little preoccupied. <laughs> and so thank you all that reached out and, and, and have reached out since when, after fighting out. So appreciate that. And I well, appreciate it- you guys. I know both of you have, uh, reached out. So definitely appreciate that, Steve and, and Joel.
0: Well, it was um not the same tailgating at your tailgate without you. And um, <laughs> you know, it, it was not, you know, I was really looking forward to kind of celebrating your um your on-field Larry Lasasso award presentation. I did cheer on Tracy and Willow as they were honored on the field. That was really cool, but did get to be with you on Friday night, which was that I, I love the little reception they do for you and just a cool little event and seeing all the former winners there. So I did, I did appreciate that. That was awesome to, to be there with you. And I know you were driving up and down multiple times to, to be with your dad and try to get back up for the reception and then and I ultimately had to go back home. But, uh, but anyway, it was a good day, but uh, we, we were definitely thinking about, yeah. There's one thing I do want to say. Anybody who
1: is so mad about football, that they don't want to support CSU, you are 100% in the wrong. I get it. It's tough to, to be excited. I wanted to tell you, like, Saturday morning I, I text Chris Ferris. I, You know, I couldn't think at all. Literally had my brother tell me, like, you got to get down to Colorado Springs right now. And I text Chris Ferris, and I'm like, look, my dad's not doing well. I have all the tailgate stuff. Lots don't open for a couple hours. Can I just drop it off? And he's like, Mike, oh my God, yes. Do what you need to do. Bring it in. We'll make sure everything's, (laughs) nothing's messed with. You know, Terry Hemi reached out to me later that afternoon. Multiple people, Lisa Hansen and others from the Alumni Association have have reached out. If, If you can't buy into
0: the good people, the good people that are putting on such family a great day seen on a
1: field in football is yeah. sucked. And that's yeah. what it's about. You know, I look back to it.
0: you're breaking up a little bit, Michael. Steve. All right. Well, we seem to have lost Mike. Mike is, uh, I believe down in the Springs at his parents' house. I don't know if he's got Wi-Fi connection or what, but who knows if he'll be back. We waited a little bit and, uh, I assume he'll pop back on immediately or in, when he can uh, in a little while. But until then, uh, Steve, I was going to ask you how you're doing. I see Mookie getting in trouble in the background. Uh, are you getting ready to rename him to Zay yet uh, with Kendall Moore leaving? And then you got Mookie kind of being mischievous there. Is it time to change his name to Isaiah or or Zay yet? Or maybe, or maybe Tavey. <laughs> Tavey, yeah. Tavey would be good. Tavy
2: Tavy young and might be a little mistake prone.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that, that's perfect. That's perfect. No, well, we'll keep, we'll keep it at Kendall. So Well, um, you know, I wanted to start off talking a little bit of football before we got into hoops, but with Mike on uh, let's just jump right into hoops here. First of all, I mean, your column on the Isaiah Stevens injury was, was really good right on the money Actually, it was funny because the injury happened and the first thing i did was did i miss any text from steve i need steve's take i went to the crackers hoops blog and uh and didn't didn't see anything there for the first day and finally got it i'm like oh this is what i've been craving uh just to get your take and uh it was kind of just the the way you talk us all off a ledge you know with um the fact that it's gonna prepare us prepare this program for for Life after Isaiah, and kind of talked about who's gonna have to step up. So it, it was really good, and and I uh, appreciated that. Yeah, uh, I,
2: some of it was talking myself off the ledge too. I have to admit. Um, well, you're uh, one of
0: his biggest fans for sure. You,
2: you, well, and you know who's the one? Who's the one constant? What player have we had on here the last couple of years? Right, Isaiah. We love Isaiah. He's a Ram Nation favorite. And there's a reason he's a, he's a, he's a leader, he's a winner and uh, just a, just an absolute great kid. And, and, uh, and to lose somebody of his ability, you know, and you, you talk about all the numbers, you can go through the numbers all you want, but ultimately uh, he's a winner. He understands everything that uh, he's an extension of the coaching staff on the floor. He understands everything that they want to do and he's been developing that since day 1. He walked into the starting point guard job uh, right out of high school, which is very unusual at the D1 level at the in the Mountain West. You look around and you will not see freshman point guards who have had the success that he's had and he's developed his skills over time, become more explosive, gradually become a better shooter and obviously become a uh, a much better leader. So it it's it's it's, it's just a really tough uh tough situation but as I tried to reinforce there's opportunity and these guys are all division one level players Um, they're all good they're all the best players on their high school teams Uh, they're all either state champions or AAU champions um, and it's up to them to reform Um, the word I used was reinvent and I talked to Nico um, and he used the word reinvent too everybody's not going to all of a sudden make a major jump after Isaiah got hurt. Uh, Nico talks about them being the best version of themselves and that's very much a part of it but it's also how do you combine five guys to operate as one knowing that the guy who was probably the, the biggest piece of glue um, is not there. So it's up to these guys to to pull together and uh, I have no doubt that uh, that they'll be pretty darn good at it because they got great staff and they're great character Uh, and great skills and experiences amongst them. So it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Well, Coach Medved and the program in general have been kind of vague on, on the timetable for his return is, is your impression that at best he'll be back by conference play?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Joel, I, I, you know, you talked to Nico, I immediately reached out to Nico and He said, you know, we're hoping for conference play, but there's no guarantees with foot injuries Um, and uh, they can linger. And when they linger in terms of recovery, you're not going to put a kid out on the floor who can potentially damage, you know, not somebody at the the level of Isaiah, who's kind of borderline NBA. Um, You're not going to deny him an NBA opportunity just to win a few games at the collegiate level uh, a little earlier. So they're going to wait till he's a hundred percent. I did uh, talk to his parents at, at the scrimmage. Uh, uh, his parents, uh, uh, Barry and uh, Pat, made it to the scrimmage. Isaiah wasn't there, but I talked to Isaiah's parents, and I asked him how he was doing, and they said his spirits are great, which is not a surprise because he's such a positive person. And they said the surgery went well. So now it's just a matter of time for all of us, so especially him.
0: How does CSU manage without him who's their floor general uh he provides leadership he's kind of the calming influence for both the team and the fans it was he was the one reason why you could still get excited about this season in in the absence of David Roddy but you know the ability to dish easy baskets to score himself to score especially when the game is on the line how do you how do you manage
2: yeah you know so first how do you replace a guy like him at at his position and you've got two young players, um, uh, Baylor Heb and, uh, and Tavy Jackson, all ready to step in. They were going to be understudies this year. Baylor got a few minutes last year, but really not much. If you look at how CSU has operated since Isaiah has been here, Isaiah has gradually increased his minutes, was probably about a 30-minute player uh, his freshman year, moving to about 35 by the time he was a junior. And so he's going to play basically (laughs) excuse me 35 36 minutes that doesn't leave a lot for uh point guard now isaiah would sometimes move to the uh to the two guard um the first couple of years when they had uh when they had uh edwards and they had uh pj bird to come in last year um when he came out you had kendall moore kind of serve it but it was very rare for uh for, for Isaiah to move to the two. Kendall was, Kendall was point guard when Isaiah was just getting his, his rest. So the point is (laughs) you, you've got two, two new players and you've got basically 35 to 40 minutes where they were probably not going to see a heck of a lot of time. They were going to see spot minutes. Now you're going to see each of them have to play maybe 20, 25 minutes um, per game. And how do you do it? Um, first of all, they need to step up. Are they going to be as effect- effective or as efficient as Isaiah? Doubtful. Um, how do you How do you replace a, a three-year all-conference player uh, with a freshman or uh, basically a sophomore? They may be skilled, they may be talented, but they had, do not have the experience. And it took Isaiah a, a little bit of time in terms of his development. He walked into a good situation. As a freshman, with having some some pretty good players to learn from, but he was he was very capable um, right away. Uh, he had some issues as a sophomore with turnovers for a while, and then last year you started seeing the real Isaiah emerge in terms of you know shooting percentages, in terms of high assists, low turnovers. He's one of the top ten or you know top ten point guards in the country, and you saw him develop. Bottom line is neither Baylor or uh, Tavy is going to step in and look like Isaiah right away. Um, The other thing that's going to be really interesting to me, Joel, um, is uh, how can they can the other guys really run all the stuff that CSU is capable of running from an offensive perspective? They do some pretty complex things. There's a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of sets that may look similar, but it's it's a point guard that needs to get them into the right places, and not just get into get them into the right places, but it's delivering the ball, a point guard delivering the ball at the right time and the right place to the shooters, um, in the spots where they're they're going to be effective, and that's easier said than done for somebody just starting out and just learning. So I it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. And um, uh, that's what makes it exciting. I'm I'm pumped to watch it. Um, I think we saw a little bit at the uh, Mookie. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw a little bit at the scrimmage, uh, and some of the things that Baylor and uh, and Tavy can do. And uh, I'm excited to watch them develop. Uh, and it's gonna be they're gonna be. Uh, Drinking through a fire hose for the first few weeks um, in Isaiah's absence. They're not going to be allowed to develop you know, two minutes at a time. You're going to see five minutes at a time and 20 to 25 minutes a game. So, the bottom line, they're not going to replace Isaiah. They're just going to have to come in, be themselves and the other guy and work it with the other guys to, to make the team effective. It's five guys playing as one that's going to determine the outcome of this team.
0: Kevin Lytle wrote an uh, article today, said Baylor Heavy expects. Junior Baylor Heb to start game one at the point he's the transfer from Loyola Chicago didn't play much last year, uh, but Nico speaks really highly of him in his work ethic and that he's been preparing been preparing for the moment and that he'll be ready watching him in the scrimmage he had some decent moments but uh, I thought he had a couple turnovers. didn't take care of the ball real well. At times, uh, Tavy Jackson had some real flashes. Uh, looks like he could be electric here in a couple of years. Obviously, you're going to see some youth there. But um, what uh, what were your impressions from the scrimmage of those two guys in particular? So i I, I agree right now with what
2: uh, what Kevin wrote that Baylor will be the uh, kind, kind of
0: the starter,
2: but a lot can happen over the next few weeks. Uh, you know, my impressions of the scrimmage. Uh, Baylor is just this solid gym rat kind of player who could does a lot of the things well that a point guard needs to do. He's smart. Um, he handles the ball reasonably well. He shoots the ball reasonably well. Um, he's a lot tougher than he looks, you know, he doesn't look like a tough guy, but he's a pretty tough kid. Uh, Tavey is, um, I, I'm going to describe it as uh, very athletic. Um, and when I say that I talked to a couple of the players, um, I've been to a few of the practices. I think I've been to three, three or four practices. Um, and when I talk to players, they the one thing they point to with Kavi is he has that intangible. He's a remarkable athlete. He can do things that a lot of guys can't do one on one, and it's just a matter of him learning how to play within the uh, the, the framework of a of a digi- division one team, leading a division one team where uh, you're you're playing against guys that are really good and you got to up your game in terms of how you make your teammates better. He has all the requisite skills. It's just a matter of him learning. I thought he had a few better moments from a, from an athletic point of view, a couple of nice dunks off of steals where he really showed his stuff, but um, I'm not sure it, you know, I haven't seen great outside shooting from him. Baylor's a little better outside shooter than him. So and CSU's offense tends to run better with uh with uh, with outside shooters. They rely a lot on the three. So that's why I think I lean toward Baylor. But a lot can change in the next uh the next few weeks before they have that season over, which is uh it's it's not too far away, November seventh. It's like uh two and a half weeks away. Um, we're gonna be uh we're gonna be opening the season. So a lot can change and there's a lot of stuff happening in the next two weeks, two and a half weeks with a uh, closed door scrimmage at Minnesota this Saturday, and then uh, and then a uh, exhibition game a week from tomorrow, uh, Friday the uh, the twenty eighth uh, against Metro State. So we'll see what happens. They can develop at different rates, and you can see Tavy slide in just as easily as I think Baylor getting the start.
0: Going back to the scrimmage, who uh, anyone else that caught your eye, Steve?
2: Um, you know, the the one thing I you know I read I, even though I don't post on the Ram Nation board I still read some stuff and there are some pretty good some pretty good uh, analysis. Um, I'm talking basically from also seeing them in practice and knowing what's been going on. Um, I like the potential of uh, of Josiah Strong and uh, and Patrick Cartier. Um, I don't think they necessarily showed out as well in the scrimmage. Patrick moving between the four and the five, he's, he's learning a lot. And I think he's going to be a, a pretty good player. Um, Josiah Strong has missed a lot of practice the last few weeks. He was They were worried he had mono and he might be out a while, but he's back. And so if he didn't look quite up to speed, a lot of that was driven by uh, illness the same, by the way, is true for Tavey. Uh, Tavey missed a lot of practice with illness. Uh, so he's really drinking through the fire, a fire hose as well. They're learning. And that's why I say Tavy could come on in the next few weeks as he gets to practice more. But, um, in terms of, you know, uh, Patrick and, uh, and, uh, Josiah, um, I also rely not just on, on my eyes, but in talking with, uh, with players and, uh, they have the seal of approval from Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah will tell you he loves Patrick Cartier and Josiah Strong. He thinks they're going to be very good Mountain West players. And uh, if any, if there's anybody's judgment, I'm going to trust it's going to be uh, it's going to be them. Uh, it's going to be Isaiah's. Um, the other, the other player that I think I don't know if we see a, a major step up. Uh, other than a con- uh, little more more minutes leading to to better numbers, is I think James Moores is going to have a better year. I think we're looking at a you know guy he played like 12 minutes last year after playing more minutes his freshman year. I think he's going to play 20 to 25 minutes, and you're looking at a guy who's going to score a little more and rebound a little more and basically take up a little more space. Um, if you noticed, if you went to the scrimmage, uh, he hit a jump hook, and I I've always made the argument that big guys need to develop one shot other than finishing at the rim. Big guys need a good jump hook. James made a jump hook. That was the first time I've ever seen him make one in a game-like situation. And he looked really, really good doing it. So if you watch him, um, he's he's developing. Um, he's shooting better from the outside. He won't shoot uh, much, but uh, he's shooting better from the outside as well. And I think we'll we'll, we'll be pretty strong there. Um, I If you watched... Uh, you know, they, they switched players. They played three eight-minute periods and switched players between green and gold. There were three players that pretty much, uh, or two players that pretty much stayed together uh, throughout the scrimmage, and that was John Tanjay and uh, Isaiah Rivera. I think they both played green. I know John did, but I think Isaiah did as well. They're going to be solid players. Um, those are going to be two guys that I think are going to end up uh, starting. And Tanjay looked fantastic. Uh, he was shooting well. Um, I don't know if people noticed this uh, who went to the scrimmage, but he slimmed down a little bit. He was probably about 220 last year. He looks much quicker at 210. Um, and I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be have a he's We're looking forward to a hell of a year from John. So those guys, I think, stood out. Um, the freshman Jack Payne, uh, Kyle Evans, that development and growth. Uh, I think Jalen Lake will make a little bit of a leap. Uh, he's a little bit stronger. He looks good. He looks solid. He'll be one of the first guys. I don't know if he'll start ahead of uh, Rivera, but I think he'll come off the bench and he'll still play 25 minutes this year in a similar role to what we saw from uh, Tanjay last year. So so I think those guys look, uh, look pretty good. And, and – like I said, I I like the way Tavy looked, uh, considering how little he's had a chance to to practice.
0: Evans will probably have to play this year. He probably would have been a guy that would have redshirted if he still had Jennison, right? But he he's going to be forced to get some minutes.
2: Yeah, I I think you know you, you know he's got five fouls. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and but a lot of times that's why you need big guys. Um, you, you need to fill the paint. He's not going to knock people around physically, but he runs the floor. He's a pretty smart player. He's a good passer. Um, he will fit into this offense over time really, really, really well because of the way CSU uses their bigs in terms of uh, initiating, uh, running the half-court offense through the bigs at the top. Um, and so I'm not worried about him long-term, but I, I don't think he has the uh, – the uh, the weight yet to really uh, make an impact, uh, other than uh, you know a shot here or there. But interestingly enough, I you know if you if you think back to Nico's first year here, where he won all of twelve games, I can think to a, remember a game where Logan Ryan, who wasn't very good, absolutely ate up New Mexico. And you might see a game here or there where uh, where Kyle he, uh, has a really really good game. But uh,
0: uh, we'll see. What's, uh, who are you going to lean on for scoring? Tanjay, Strong, Cartier, Moores? It's Lake? a, it's, it's a team, it's a team
2: thing. You're not going
0: to, you you know, how are you going to make up
2: 15 points from Isaiah? And maybe he would have had seven and been good for 17 this year. It's a team thing. And I, you're going to have to get double digits out of Tanjay. You're going to have to get double digits out of Strong. You're going to have to get double digits out of, uh, out of Cartier, virtually every night, and then uh, and I think you're looking at Rivera, Lake, uh, Heb, Tavy Jackson. Uh, some of them are, you know, not every night, but uh, you're going to have to see potential for double-digit games from them. And you know the one thing this team can do they can shoot um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to guard them pretty well and I think they showed some pretty good three point shooting in the scrimmage um, but it'll be a challenge there's no doubt it'll be a challenge and so defensively they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to be pretty good to to hang in with the with the better teams so but it's gonna be a joel it's gonna be it's got to be a team thing with everybody getting one extra hoop a game kind of thing as opposed to one guy one guy's not gonna add. Five or ten points to his overall total.
0: Hey, Michael's back. <clears throat>
1: hey, Michael. I'm back. I'm hopefully hopefully. <laughs> what uh? What do you think of our non-conference slate? Uh, looking at it on paper, wise, looks uh, not as challenging as last year. How how important do you think that is, especially with Isaiah being out and uh, for the our prospects this season.
2: Yeah, you know, Mike, I would argue it's probably very similar to last year's, maybe just a little bit down, but not really because, you know, while they open with a, on paper, maybe what are looked like a few easier teams, the gardner webbs and the Southeast Louisianas, they quickly move into a uh, uh, multiple team event down in uh, the Southeast in, uh it's in Charleston, right? That uh, where they get South Carolina, who, um, bottom of the sec but up and coming with a new coach and uh and they got a freshman point guard that's considered the i think one of the top point guard freshman point guards in the country originally committed to north carolina and ended up at south carolina so that'll be a that'll be an interesting game and win or lose uh you move on to uh davidson or college of charleston uh we know about davidson being a solid a-10 program home of steph curry NCAA appearances, NIT appearances, so regular postseason, uh, College of Charleston, uh, decent decent squad this year. They'll be right around uh, 100th, I think, in the, uh, in the net. And then you, you get a chance to play a, a team like a Virginia Tech, or uh, who's the other one? A, a Penn State. You might play one of those two guys, and you're looking at a at a Big Ten school and an ACC school, and Virginia Tech is good enough to beat a Duke. So, I, you know, we could play some pretty good teams in that MTE. Um, so right out of the shoot, it, it's probably a little – that MTE is probably a little stronger than what we played last year. We got Creighton, but uh, we ended up with Bradley around 100. And Northeastern, who we almost lost to, was like a 200-plus uh, NET school. So uh, this tournament could be a little better. Then we come home and we play – you know, some decent teams. Uh, but, you know, then you uh, the, the real bulk of the non-conference schedule, um, there's three good teams we're playing. CU, uh, St. Mary's, and USC. And the St. Mary's game is on the road at Moraga. Uh, they beat Gonzaga by 16 there last year. So those are three really, really tough games. And I would argue this year's schedule is... Uh, is just as close and uh, uh, to last year's. Uh, it's almost identical, and uh, and uh, without Isaiah, it'll be a challenge for sure. Um, I think they need just need to play games, and it's going to be getting ready for the uh, for the uh, for the conference schedule. Hopefully, Isaiah will make it back, and the team will learn and grow in his absence. And we'll see. We'll have a chance to be a stronger team in the conference uh, uh, by developing uh, through the non-conference schedule.
1: So. Last year, we always talked about last year's team and, and how close-knit they were, even with the addition of Chandler Jacobs, who just came in seamlessly and, and into the program. With the turnover, with, with with the guys that transferred out, with the guys that transferred in, what what are you seeing with, with this team right now? Or what have you heard, you know, through your connections with everybody coming in? I, I
2: don't see anything any different, Mike. I, it's, a, um, it's a, you know, this whole team together thing is, it's not BS. They recruit players who are good teammates. Uh, that's part of the profile. If you look at the players they recruit, they recruit guys that can shoot, but guys that can pass, uh, guys that can move, and guys that are unselfish. And so that's very much part of the psyche of the team that leads to uh, that, that togetherness. They're not afraid to make the extra pass, um, and uh, and uh, and so I, I see every bit uh, of that. Uh, let's be honest; it's hard to lose a David Roddy, and it's hard to be without an Isaiah Stevens. You're talking about two off-conference players, and so these guys are going to have to pull together even more. And uh, you're going to have to see a lot of a lot of support. But it's also you've got a good coaching staff that's gonna that's going to help keep that keep that uh together and keep that uh that kind of team psyche um oriented around hey uh, sticking together because there's no way this team can survive if people go off on uh, individual tangents
0: well rams are picked fourth by the media uh san Diego state was first boise state second wyoming third do you agree with that order
2: yeah, I, it's a. I I had a. I would have a third. I'm um, um, in the process of writing a preview um, with Isaiah out. I you know that's that changes things the dynamic a little bit. Um, I, I think it's fair to say San Diego State's the class of the league, and Wyoming is a little bit behind them, not a crazy amount, but a little bit behind them. And then I I think the three teams, uh, people are pretty much in agreement that are probably three, four, five are CSU Boise and uh, New Mexico. Um, And Boise um, lost, uh, they lost three really good players. They returned two starters. They lost three really good uh, starters, and they weren't a real deep team. And so they brought in some good young talent. Um, I happen to believe there's a lot of people that, get critical of they you know they get critical of Leon Rice because of sometimes his antics on the sideline. I think he's a hell of a coach. I think he's the most underrated coach in the Mountain West Conference. And if you look over the last 10 years, San Diego State is obviously the obviously the class of the league, but not many people know that Boise State has won the second most games in the Mountain West over the last 10 years basically since Leon has been in the conference and I, I don't think many people know that. Um, and so, and it's by a pretty significant amount over the the third place team, he's averaged about 11 and a half wins per season in the last 10 years. He's had a pretty good, done a pretty good job there. So he develops teams pretty well. Um, and I think they'll be up there. Obviously, you know, I think the world of Nico and his staff, um, you look at CSU over the last, uh. The last uh, two years, and it's uh, the the number of wins are basically the same with Boise State and San Diego State in conference. Uh, so um, I think they're there, and then New Mexico probably will make, from my perspective. Some people have them a little lower. Ken Palm doesn't have them moving much, but I think New Mexico will be pretty pretty much improved because they added two players to the area where they were the weakest, which was the uh, the interior defensively and getting rebounds they were terrible Um, they couldn't get an important rebound if you think back to what david roddy did down in albuquerque he shredded them to 30 plus points and got every uh rebound and uh and so um i think they'll be improved and then the next uh the next mookie 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 calm down my wife had him locked out of the area where she's cleaning
1: up (laughs) He just, Moogie just wants to talk CSU basketball too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So getting back to the next, the next layer of teams, um, Fresno, um, UNLV, um, and, uh, God, who's the other one I would have in kind of the next, the next layer, Nevada, maybe. And then, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting one, um, six through six through nine, pretty close as well. Utah State. Um. And some of, the, some of the computer models are real high on Utah State. Some are real high on Fresno. I'm not as, I'm not as high on them. I think they have some important stuff to uh, replace uh, Utah State losing uh, their two best players where they're bigs, um, and they're both gone. And uh, so they brought in a couple of players that are pretty good, but I, I just don't see it. Uh, them being any better than last year and then uh, fresno lost orlando robinson and and i'm not a big fan of fresno and their coach that doesn't know how to coach any kind of offense they lost the guy who was uh who had the ball on 35 percent of their offensive possessions he was touching he was doing something with the ball either uh basically shooting so well uh, The loss of Orlando Robinson. I don't know how how President of State's going to store score UNLV. I like what Kevin Krueger does from a coaching perspective, but they're all a bunch and they're old. They he brought in a bunch of fifth year transfers, um, a, a ton of fifth year transfers. And they're all defensive players, and they don't have a go-to scorer. They lost their two best scorers. And so they're going to be San Diego State light. What San Diego State looked like last year, the ability to score 40 points or 50 points, that will be UNLV on a regular basis this year. They'll win some games because they play good defense. Um, And then Nevada, uh, Nevada lost their two best players, their two leading scorers. So. Um, and they don't return a heck of a lot. They uh, brought in a couple of transfers, and I don't think it's going to be a significant improvement over last year. So that's the next year. And then uh, Timmy at uh, San Jose State, I don't think he's brought in a class like he brought in at uh, CSU when he brought in Ogade and uh, and Travis Franklin. Um, I don't think he has those players yet. It's going to take him a little more time. And then there's Air Force. Um, God bless them. They do their best, and they'll nick a team here or there, but it's just uh, it's a hard task for Air Force, so that's kind of the way I see it. I think CSU will fit nicely uh, if Isaiah's back into that with a chance to to beat every team in the conference. I don't think they're going to be good enough to to win at the uh, to to win the conference this year, but I think they can win. Uh, they can win thirteen games.
1: So you talked about Wyoming, Maldonado. I mean, we've seen him; he's he's destroyed us, but he's also somebody that could go over twenty. You know, like he did in the in that play-in game, and I mean, he could he can disappear pretty easily. Ikey, you know, I I was obviously he's a good player. He did nothing against us, and, and you could say a lot of that's due to, to David Roddy. I I'm, I don't see them being that high up, and it's not just because they're Wyoming. Because I've seen some great Wyoming teams. I just. Everyone wants to talk about these three transfers from the Pac-12. That's an inferior conference basketball-wise to the Mountain West. These guys were bench players, didn't see minutes at all. So I'm just what – are, what are you seeing in Wyoming that you see that they're just below San Diego State? Is it is it Maldonado and Ike?
2: Yeah, I I think it's – Mike, I think it's fair to say that, Yeah, I mean, I, Ike was the – player of the year, preseason player of the year in the voting and Maldonado is this is his sixth year. He's going to be 24 years old. I've <laughs> you, this is like playing yeah, BYU. BYU. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a BYU situation um and so and, and 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 those guys from the from the Pac12, they're decent, they're good players. They were highly recruited players. Um, they're on the bench. They're on good teams, and so I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo them. They're, they obviously have holes in their game, or they would have been playing more minutes and been more effective at the at the at the Pac-12 level. Um, I think the bigger challenge. I I think they have a. They they did something they needed to do. Um, is uh, if you look at uh, Wyoming last year, they basically played six players, and they got gassed. And over the course of the season, they were they were pretty dead by the end of the season. And what they did was they added depth. That being said, um, I think their biggest challenge is, and if you look at the history of Jeff Linder coaching, he doesn't like playing more than seven players. he did it at UNC, he's done it at at Wyoming, and whether you like it or not, coaches have habits. You know, Nico last year played 10 players and you'd hear all kinds of national criticism. Oh, he's got to cut it down to eight or nine. And he stuck with 10 for a reason. Number one, um, he thought the team was better. But number two, he's developing the younger players. Um, And he was making sure they were getting important minutes during important games. Um, I don't know if Linder is going to it remains to be seen. Can he play? Eight, eight, or nine or ten guys. He's got. He goes ten deep, but can he play them all in a way that's effective um, when they're running? So let's let me take a step back too. What was their offense last year? Ek down low. Hunter Maldonado backing people down with his butt and shooting over people, and they scored forty points a game between them. And between them, they handled 65 to 70% of the possessions. The only other person that really touched the ball was Drake Jeffrey shooting threes. How many of these guys are going to be happy that when they're playing, maybe when they're playing 20 to 25 minutes, you know, whether it was off the bench or, you know, uh, limited starting roles, how many of them are going to be happy getting eight minutes a game? And I, he's got a challenge. Um, And that's, I think it's, I think it's Linder that has the challenge. I think he's got a good team. Now, I also want to say he's a darn good coach and so if he figures it out I do think they'll. I do think he will figure out how to how to use those guys effectively and Mike I I disagree with you a little bit those guys that came from the Pac-12 are they're decent enough where they can they can have some level of success in the Mountain West and that added depth for Wyoming will make them I think a pretty a pretty good team but you got to use them Um, you can't just have them stand around and be tall and play defense and grab rebounds they're going to want to shoot too they they don't come here uh, they didn't come here just to play in wyoming for a wyoming team in the mountain west they transferred because they wanted more playing time not less (laughs) and uh and they're and that'll take away from the guys that have been recruited so it's it's going to be an interesting chemistry uh chemistry thing they haven't had chemistry issues in the past um, but it'll be interesting to
0: watch what happens as they develop Last hoops question for me. Roddy's game one with the Grizzlies versus the Knicks was last night. Uh, Grizzlies won one hundred fifty and one hundred twelve in overtime. I think he played about thirteen minutes. Uh, He was first off the bench, I believe. He did go zero for six from the field. A couple missed three pointers in there. Got two offensive boards. He took a charge. He subbed him in late uh, for defense. Uh, At the end of regulation, I don't think they did have him out there for overtime. But at the end, but uh, your thoughts on on his debut? So,
2: if you look at the numbers, they were terrible. Um, (laughs) He didn't make a shot. But if you look at his mo in summer league and his mo in the preseason games, he did. He always started slow in the first. He always he didn't play a very good first game. Um, His shooting was off. Everything was off a little bit. Knowing him and watching him develop. You watch, he's going to start coming on. He's going to gradually get better and better and better. Um, and I don't, I, like I said, I don't, it's one game in eight out of 82 or 81 or however many they play. It's a long season. And the fact that he's earned that level of playing time as a, as a rookie already is speaks volumes. Uh, and if you watch him play uh, it is amazing to watch him run and run the wings and, um, he's not a, he's not an inside player. Like he was here at the CSU last the uh, his years where he was used primarily as a three, four, and then also as a short, a small five, he's playing primarily the three and running the wings. And uh, I've been amazed by his speed. And I think that staff is amazed by his speed. I think they're also amazed by his exterior, uh, his, his perimeter defense. Um, I think that's why they put him in, um, in that last possession in uh in regulation, um, he's much better defensively than uh, than than I thought he'd be. He's 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 improved physically. Um, he's much quicker. Um, he's obviously a, a physical specimen, but it was a matter of how quick and uh, he's shown the, he can play with the quickness required at the NBA level. I expect to see him, you know, he'll he's going to be a 15 minute, uh, 15 minute a game player through the course of the year. And you'll start seeing him score, you know, eight points. Four rebounds, you know that kind of that kind of player. Getting a couple offensive boards, making threes, running the floor, playing good defense, and he'll be at a valuable sub. Memphis likes to play their bench a lot. They have a, a really a a pretty balanced team uh, through you know ten players and the coach that likes to play ten players. So he'll see some pretty significant time, and I think he'll stay in that rotation. So I'm impressed. I it, it's kind of fun to see.
1: It was, it was it was fun seeing him be the first one off the bench last night. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to, to watch some of it on my phone. And and I think the best thing for him, he's going into a situation where he's not going to have to produce. I mean, this is the second best team record-wise last year in the Western Conference, the best conference in the NBA. He's not going to have to – he's not going to have to produce. So he's going to have that chance to develop. I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, it's tough being a Nuggets fan and uh, having to cheer for another Western Conference team. But I'm excited about watching some Grizz.
2: Yeah, I I am, too. You know, the the other thing, Mike, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, I guarantee you he probably stayed late yesterday and shot and shot threes for (laughs) for like an hour because he missed his threes. He's one of those guys, you know, he's going to work hard day after day after day he doesn't like losing and he doesn't like delivering uh, a bad game and he would look upon yesterday as a bad game for him I'm sure he's happy the team won but he wants to be the best player on the floor he's highly competitive that's what's made him uh, that's what's led to his uh his development curve at CSU and allowed him to to have immediate success in the uh in terms of getting minutes in the NBA and you watch he'll work his butt off. And over the course of the season, you're going to see some, I think uh, some really solid growth out of him.
0: Well, the Grizzlies play back to back this weekend. They're at the Houston Rockets Friday night and then at the Dallas Mavericks Saturday. So it will be fun to watch him all season long. All right, let's pause real quick. Let me tell you about Ginger and Baker. This is a fantastic place, two great restaurants, the cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey. And the other is the cafe, which features a new take on farm to table American comfort food classics. Ginger and Baker has a coffee shop, a bakery, event spaces, a market, and a teaching kitchen as well. So if you're looking for something new and fun for the holidays, why not book a private cooking class in the teaching kitchen? It's perfect for holiday parties, family or friend gatherings, or even team building. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker. Let's uh, let's just talk real briefly about football. On my ride home from the game Saturday night, I recorded an immediate reaction podcast, which is kind of like therapy to me sometimes. So but while I was frustrated with the loss, I probably came off a little frustrated at the time, but I wasn't as pissed as I've been in previous years. You know, in a game and a loss like that, I think my expectations have been lowered a little bit. And I also understand the situation this program is in right now uh, with some of the injuries and turnover and and, uh, really young in Norvell's tenure here. I said during the podcast, I thought redshirt freshman Giles Pooler played well enough to get a win you know he did have some drops but after rewatching the game I, I guess i was less high on his performance um he did he missed some reads he forced some throws downfield when he had shorter options open um you know i i think just during the game just watching it live i was i was enjoying his toughness he was staying in the pocket he was taking hits um he was delivering the ball um with uh, he wasn't fading away like Braden Fowler and was the previous week. Um, he was stepping in, making, making some throws. Um, and I still maintain he had the team in position to win. He was a victim to some drops and others that, that were probably 50 50 balls that could have been caught and not one of them went their way. Um, any, any impressions on his performance? I know Mike kind of disagreed with me on, on his, uh, on, on, on Pooler's performance. Mike, what would you think? So uh, I did have the opportunity to actually
1: watch the game. Um, Again, I I was with my dad. I was in his room, was watching the game on my phone. So a lot different than how I usually watch a game (laughs) Uh, in the stands. I I had no beverages in me at all. (laughs) Uh, Wasn't talking to everybody in, in canvas or, or on the road. Um. He, he was tough. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say this. He played hard. He took hits and got up every time. Um, the, quarter, the receivers could have done a lot better job catching the ball. Too many drops. But saying that, when you have a left-handed quarterback that, that has a different spin, but you have just a different quarterback in general, if you don't hit it right on the target, it's – it's tough for a receiver to, to, to catch it. And a lot of those drop balls were just a little behind a little high. And when you, when you don't have that timing, especially some of the, something that Clay Millen has with, with those starters, you're going to see those drops. And so I just thought that he missed, he missed balls. And I hate, I hate even saying this about an individual player. Because again, he, he worked hard, he took hits, and he got up and he battled and, and I can't that's that's something that you gotta tip your hat to. But we missed balls that we should have had. Um that said, I think I think the play calling was was what hampered us. I think our offensive play calling is has hurt us. I think it hurt us against uh Nevada as well, unfortunately and what we came out with a win. I think we've we've talked about this the first four games i i don't it's it when i when i coached football i was the like game day defensive coordinator i had to watch film on, on the other team i had to pick up tendencies i'm not even the a college coach i knew what we were running a lot just where, the way we were were lining up i'm like you know this is going tomorrow he's 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 gonna run to the right he's gonna run to the left or i'm like you know, this is going to be a half-hearted play-action pass where we're going to hope, or, you know, this is going to be four guys going jets that Puller's going to try to hit him. I knew what we were running, and what what do you think Utah State's defensive coordinator was was doing? What, what, they, what the, their guys in the boxes were seeing us on the field while they were relaying down? Like, I think that has – I just – I'm not – I'm not happy with what we're seeing as far as play calling as, as, as we we're going to get so much more different formations, you know, air raid, all this stuff. We're not seeing it. Now. And I think that has, has to do with much more than the way Giles Pooler played at quarterback.
0: Well, you read my mind, Mike, because that was my next question for both of you. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest blame as much as I like coach Norvell and the things that he's doing, I think that his play calling has left a little something to be desired. And um, it's conservative for a reason, right? I don't, um, It it can't be easy when you've got, you're always behind the chains because of penalties. You're, you're not executing The, the players are not executing, but I just don't think that he's putting the offense in a position to win. He's not catering his game plan or the play calling to the players and the personnel we have on the field when you've got a guy making his first start um and we're just constantly throwing the ball 15-20 yards downfield, um, like you had a seasoned veteran in there trying to stretch the field more, you know, that's you gotta you see it all the time. You you try the good offensive coordinators try to get a, a young quarterback in a groove, make get him some high percentage pass plays to get him some confidence and in a groove. And um, and you also gotta trust your quarterback to make a throw on third and nine. Um, too many uh all year so far of us just giving up there and, and handing the ball off the middle on a third and and eight, nine, ten. You know, so I know they're trying to manage uh and, and minimize mistakes in, in game and turnovers that can blow up a game, but I, I don't know, man, it, it can be really, it's maddening watching this offense.
2: You know, from, from my perspective. And, and so I, I hear you and I agree. I went, I didn't get to see the, uh, the, the last game I I've been to the, uh, the middle Tennessee state game. Um, but so many changes have taken place, uh, in terms of roster, Uh, The the one concern I have, and the thing that's uh, almost understandable, um, how do you run an air raid offense without experienced wide receivers? We've got one. You know, everybody else is young. Uh, Everybody else is pretty much a freshman. Um, If you listen to to what they really need in terms of running an air raid, you've got to have a core of about eight really good receivers because you're running so many verticals that you're running yourself into the ground if you're running verticals on every, you know, if you only have two, three, four receivers and running verticals every few plays. um, You can't do that. Um, And so you need subs. And the the biggest concern I have is look who you have right now. You've got Tory Horton and a bunch of freshmen and freshman tight ends. Um, you, you uh, you, You don't have Melquan Stovall. You don't have Dante Wright. You don't have EJ Scott. You don't have Ty McCullough all those guys leaving really hurt the team. And, uh, and I, I, let's face it, um, whether it's for the good in the long run, if they don't want to be here, it's probably best that they're not here. That's had a tremendous effect on the ability of the offense to really run an air raid. It doesn't look like any kind of air raid to me. It just looks like, a let's just, let's just throw a bunch of run the ball, throw a bunch of short passes, try and get some first downs and try and smartly move the ball down the field. But there's absolutely no, uh,
0: uh, there's not a hell of a lot of vertical going on with that. offense, Right. Well, Clay Millen s- supposedly will be able to go Saturday. At least the signs are pointing that way after missing the last two games with an AC joint sprain and his throwing shoulder, uh, before he got hurt, he was completing uh, 72% of his passes, which is. Pretty crazy considering the lack of pass protection he's had. Uh, And then in the last two and a half games since he got hurt, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi and Giles Pooler completed just a combined 42% of their passes. So um, Millen struggled with some other things, holding the ball, holding onto the ball too long. Um, It's part of the reason that they gave up 25 sacks through the first four games that he was under center. Uh, But what uh, when he's been in there, what have your impressions been of Millen uh, and how he's handles himself in in the four games so far?
1: I'll, I'll say this um and, and we talked we talked during those four those four games that stretch like he does hold on the ball a little bit too long but we talked about it I like the way that he moves in the pocket uh especially those first couple games that, that Michigan game I, I like the way that he would duck under or he would slide uh either to the right or left and and look again that pick six against against Michigan that was actually a pretty good play he just he He moved in the pocket. He slid. He just missed that throw. Um, we, he will not face the kind of defenses. He faced those first three games. Again, I know middle Tennessee state and anyone wants to say, well, look at, look at what Toddy did against him and tip tip of the hat to him. He has a much better line in front of him than what Millen Millen has. Um, but I thought those, those defenses that he faced, those, those first three, those first four games, honestly, nothing like what he's going to see now. I think if he plays against Nevada, I think if he plays against Utah State, I think we win those games by at least two touchdowns, both of them. Uh, just the amount of, of open receivers that were missed these last two weeks, I think he makes those – I think he makes those passes. Wisconsin, uh, Washington State, Michigan. Those are two of the top front sevens in the nation. And he had to face them. And he had to face those live, his first live action ever. And that's what he faced. He's, he wasn't going to face that against Nevada. He wasn't going to face that against Utah State. He's not going to face it on Saturday against, against Hawaii. I I think – the defense, if if and Freddie Banks, best coach on our staff, best coach on our staff, and we need to make sure that we find a way to keep him, because I would love to see him in five years be our head coach, at CSU. He keeps those those defensive in. I think our special teams are improving. Even I know you and I have had that talk last week, uh, Joel about, about Patty. Um, <laughs> I think our special teams are are improving. Dude, we get those two, two, of the three teams playing well. I think, I think Millen's what, Clay's what we need. You know, if he again, I think he's had that chance, and you saw him, you saw him in the locker room right next to to Norvell, giving that speech at halftime against Nevada. He had that clipboard. He is right next to the offensive staff during the games, making those calls. He's watching, he's get that uh, film study in. Like, I'm excited about Saturday. I'm excited to see what he does. And he, get, he gets a little bit, bit protection and our offensive line has improved in Mountain West play. I I, I, I could see us rattling off a few wins. You know, let me, let me add to that. I I think
2: he's far and away the best quarterback that we've seen out of the three that have played. I, he's got... Uh, the the experience and enough understanding of this offense that he's got a he's got a good clue of where the where the weakness is in the defense and where the play is going to go and so um and he's got a good he's got a lively arm he definitely has a d1 level arm uh he's got a he's physically he's big enough he's strong enough and so it's just a matter of time getting experience but like i said it's just a matter of Chemistry with the with the wide receivers, and there's so many new ones right now that um, he's got. Obviously, chemistry with Corey Horton, obviously through with him at uh, at Nevada last year. But these young guys, I think they're going to be good, but it's hard to tell. They aren't really, you know, you'd hope they'd be a little further along right now, too. And so, who knows?
0: Well, looks like we found a running back who who is performing uh, at least the last couple of games. He's got vision, toughness, a little speed. Uh, to be an effective back um I think the I think they said on the post game that the the last two games the first time we've had a back to back 100 yard rusher in three or four years so um it's nice to see some success there and then the defense has been really strong at least the last two games um I think they've been fairly strong all year long and they they were, were put in some rough situations where the offense couldn't stay on the field in some of those earlier games but um I, I like the fact that they can build off, um, this strong defensive foundation. And like you said, coach banks is, is uh, the guy that you want to keep on this staff as long as possible. Uh, but having a nice defense is a good sunny staple. And, and uh, if they can keep that going, that that'll bode well in future years. Um, last thing for me guys is um, a couple things that have been really irritating and they've been far too reminiscent of the previous regime, but the penalties and the red zone woes are just awful. Um, it's been frustrating to see this staff not get a better better handle on those things. Is that a fair reflection, you think, on the staff itself, or is this just a byproduct of having young and inexperienced guys on the field, uh, having to shuffle in new guys due to injuries and departures? Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: I think, especially with the line, because, oh, and I don't want to pick on anybody, so I'm not going to say who it was, but we all know last week, you know, uh, offside, uh, movement penalty, a hold. We get two, t- three turnovers inside the red zone. We come away with six points. It's tough. Again, we got guys that have been shuffling in on that line. We have new quarterbacks. We've had three quarterbacks over the last three, three weeks, three ga- or three games. They each have a different cadence. It's tough. But going back to Washington State, same thing. How many times do we have the ball in scoring position? We have five possessions where we're in scoring position, and we came away with a touchdown. It's it's a combo. Again, if you're a coach, it used to drive me crazy when everyone would bash Dale Lair about, well, do they not work on free throws? Yes, they work on free throws all the freaking time. You can't help it whenever a guy goes out there and, and, he, and he's not making them. It's not because of the coach. Coaches, you could do everything you can. If the guy's not listening to the snap, if he's off on the cadence, if he's worrying about the guy lined up in front of him and they jump, that's on them. But you, you, can't, you, you can't coach that. And it just comes down to the guys having faith in themselves and the guys starting to learn how to win. I mean, it really does come down to that. I don't, I don't, there's being a coach, you can't, you can't coach it. You can work on it all you want. You can't coach it. It's, it's on the players and and the players have to, they have to step up. I mean, there's a difference between like a movement penalty, like something like that, as opposed to they're just constantly getting beaten, grabbing somebody or, or they don't have the, you know, they don't have the discipline where they're trucking somebody five yards out of bounds or that's different. That stuff can be coached. What we're seeing right now, that's it sadly is really on the players. Steve, anything to add?
2: Yeah, I I might be in just a little bit different angle than Mike. Um, I think it's a combination of coaching and players. Um, I think it's a new program basically it's a team trying to find itself and they're trying hard to win and maybe trying too hard. And so, you know, when you get these silly illegal procedure penalties, they drive, they drive me crazy in the red zone. The absolute death in the red zone. When you got to, when you got to get, you know, seven, you know, first and 15 from the, from the 17-yard line, as, the, as opposed to first and ten from the 12-yard, it's a it makes a complete difference in terms of the plays you run. And so, I, I but I think the coaches need to do a better job. Maybe it's maybe it's as simple as going to the line and running on a quick count and just practicing that over and over and over again. I don't know. I don't have. I'm not a football coach. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there with all the answers. But I do know this: it's got to stop if you want to be successful the team does want to win. Sometimes I think they just try maybe too hard maybe just need to simplify things for the
0: players. Well, just six offensive touchdowns, uh, scored or actually what it's seven, maybe seven offensive touchdowns scored in six games. So it's, it's been a struggle. It's been a tough product to watch offensively. Uh, thankfully Hawaii is coming to town. They are actually playing a little bit better. They just beat Nevada themselves. Uh, but I think that's a that's a game you better win at home against uh, first year coach and Timmy Chang. So hopefully they can get healthy this week and, and get back in the wind column. That's all I got for us, boys. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Joel. I had a great
2: time. It's good catching up. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking more hoops over the next, uh, next couple of weeks as we, uh, as we get into the, uh, the season. Um, and uh, it's like, uh, Buckle up your seatbelts. It's going to be a fun ride this year, I think. We're going to enjoy this team. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I got to tell you, anybody on the – on the, I, I get it, especially if you're in the Denver area getting season tickets for, for men's basketball or, or women's basketball. It's tough. You got all those weekday games. Can't always get up there. Get the flex pass. Get the flex pass. You can get five games. 10 games 50 or 20 games if you want to use all 20 tickets for one game do it like it's it's been the best thing did it last year did it this year we already have our games picked out like yeah jump on it
0: that's a good way to do it it. all right well thank you boys uh mike thanks for battling through uh the wi-fi issues and and joining us after a rough day but uh (laughs) I want to thank our sponsors, Stevenson, Toyota, and Ginger and Baker, who make this possible. Thank you all for listening. I'll unfortunately be missing Saturday's game. I'll be in Columbia, Missouri, visiting my daughter's homecoming at Mizzou. But I uh, hope everyone enjoys the State Pride game at Canvas Stadium. And hopefully the Rams play their best game of the year, get a win. Either way, weather's supposed to be great. It should be glorious on campus. Always great pre-game, pre-gaming there on campus with friends. So enjoy and go Rams. Go rap. I got my grub on, but didn't pick out. Finally got a call from a